Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Women love cats. Men say they love cats, but when women are not looking, men will kick cats. (laughs) Children. A woman knows all about her children. She knows about their best friends, their romances, secret hopes and dreams, favorite foods, fears and dental appointments. A man is vaguely aware of some short people living in the house. And the last one is a thought for the day. Married men should forget their mistakes. There's no need for two people to remember the same thing. <laughs> okay, into uh, spiritual stuff now. When, when, when Jesus is around, it makes all the difference. And so what I want to do tonight is I'm going to preach what I'm calling Jesus is in the house. <clears throat> And I want you to say it out with me tonight. Jesus is in the house. We're going to look at three different houses where Jesus showed up and everything changed for the better. And the first thing I want to look at is a time where Jesus showed up. There's a guy that's sick. So tonight, if we're sick spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, we need to know something. And that is, Jesus is in the house. There's a a fairly lengthy portion of Scripture, but I want to read the whole story. I thought about just telling it, the story, to save time as far as uh, words on the screen. But, you know, it just, uh, the whole story is just so good. One of my favorite uh, uh, portions where Jesus uh, comes and heals a guy. And so here it is. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, and again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. I mean, you know, when Jesus is in the house and the word gets preached, things happen. <clears throat> and then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning, In their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They were right, weren't they? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, 
I say unto you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they're all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Did you detect a little southern accent on that? We never saw anything like this. Now, that is a great story, isn't it? And it's a great story because uh, it gives us encouragement that if we're sick, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually, that there's an answer for us. It's a great story because the same Jesus that was in that house is in this house. Now, tell yourself or tell somebody again, Jesus is in the house. Now, in this story, I want to point out something that is so important, and that is you and I need each other. And now, in this story, I want to point out something, and that is you and I need each other. Now, I want to kind of take some liberties in this story. It's kind of how I imagine the story went down. I'm not saying this is exactly how it happened because we don't really know all of the background of it. But I, I imagine here's this guy that was paralyzed. He's sick, can't even get out of bed, and he feels like there's no uh, future. There's no hope. He's lying in a dark room with a dark heart, with no expectations except to die. That's a sad story, isn't it? Dark room, dark heart, waiting to die. But this is where the story gets interesting, and we come in on it in this portion of Scripture. This man had four friends. Isn't it good to have friends? They had heard about the miracles Jesus had been doing, and they went to their friend, and they, they decided that they could do something about it, his problem. And so uh, they, they knew that Jesus was in their town in a house. Now, say it again, Jesus is in the house. <clears throat> so they go to their friend. They're all excited. They say, Jesus is here. He's a miracle worker. He's, he's got an answer for you. And I can picture this guy kind of, you know, being uh, despondent and saying, you know, uh, he may be in a house somewhere, but look, I'm paralyzed. I can't even get out of bed. What good is it to me if he's at a house somewhere and I'm stuck here paralyzed? Uh, and you know what? There are some times when we are despondent and somebody begins to start talking faith around us, we can almost be like that. We can almost be kind of like, you know what? Why don't you just leave me alone? But I am so glad that the story didn't end there. Uh, they, they didn't leave him alone. And each one of these guys grabs up a corner of his bed and takes him out of the house. That's awesome. They're carrying him down the street, and I can imagine him shouting out, you guys are stark raving mad. Put me down. Take me back to the house. But they're his friends, and they say, uh-uh, Jesus is in the house, and that's where you're going. <clears throat> My point in this is, we all need each other. 
We need each other. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Every one of us here at times in our life, we're going to need somebody to help us up. We need each other. We need friends, don't we? Now, I want to just inject something here that if, if we are going to have friends, it means we're going to have to work at it. Friends don't just happen. They have to be cultivated. The Bible says if a man has friend or woman has friends, we have to show ourselves friendly. And so I, I know in my own life, I've got some good friends. I'm glad for them. I thank God for them. I have some that are lifelong, some that were there the night that I got saved, and they're still friends. There's several of them that are still friends to this day. And, and, but, you know, in every friendship I had, it had to be cultivated. It had to be worked at. Uh, sometimes every, every friend that I've got at one time or another really ticked me off. <laughs> and uh, I could tell you stories, but I'm not going to right now. And the reality is, the same is true on the other end. See, we always look at, at how things are affecting us, aren't we? And we don't so much think about how we affect other people. Do you know that sometimes every one of us are a jerk? <laughs> every single one of us. Now, you could tell yourself sometimes you're a jerk, but I'm not going to have you repeat that tonight. It's bad confession, but that's true of every one of us. There are times where we, in and of ourselves, we cause offenses to others. Uh, we, we may not even mean it, but we offend people, and people are going to have to forgive us. We're going to have to forgive them. If we're going to have friends, they're going to have to be worked at. And so you, you wonder, how do I make friends? Well, one of, one of the ways, come, come to church a little early. Hang out, put yourself out there, and, and so, uh, uh, or hang out a little bit after service and, and uh, introduce yourself to somebody. If they, if they don't immediately become your friend, work at it, cultivate it. That's what we have to do. Got to work at it. Somebody say, work at it. <clears throat> uh, you might think about getting involved in one of our life groups. This up coming weekend, we're going to have a life group fair in between services where there are booths set up and, and going to be uh, people uh, uh, talking about what their life group, small group, uh, is involved in. It might, might be good to get involved and, and look for something that would kind of relate to you or start a life group, something like that. Now, getting back to the story, when these guys get to their friend, uh, and get their friend to the house, uh, I, it's packed out. They can't get in. There's not even room for them to get up around the door. And I can picture this guy again saying, you know what, uh, see, I, uh, there's just no way in. Just take me home. But these guys wouldn't give up. They're real friends. See, a real friend won't give up. They don't just discard because of an argument or, or a gripe or something. Uh, real friends stick closer than a brother. And these guys were real friends. They didn't give up, and we shouldn't give up on each other. Can you say that's right? 
So they can't, they can't get in the door. There's no room inside the house, but they're not going to give up. And so what do they do? <laughs> I love these guys. It's a great story. It's a true story. They climb up. They take, carry this guy up on the roof. And uh, one guy picks up a shingle and lets it fly. And the other guys get into it. And they start tearing the roof up and make a big hole. And then they get some ropes and lower the guy down right in front of Jesus. It's too good, isn't it? And the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. This guy got a miracle because his friends didn't give up. One of the most important reasons we need to come to church uh, is because we need each other, especially when we're struggling. I don't doubt that there's some people here tonight that, it, uh, you know, you thought about just staying home and maybe just didn't feel like going to church. Maybe there's stuff going on in your life. <laughs> we all, all the time, we have stuff going on, don't we? And so maybe you just felt like staying home and didn't feel like getting around, but we need each other. And we need each other, especially when we're struggling. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, Paul writes, and he says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul, great man of God that he was, depended on his friends and their prayer for him. And then he includes something that I think is incredible here. He talks about them praying for him in his circumstance. And he said, I know this is going to turn out to my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. See, that's how we help each other. When we gather together, there is a presence of Jesus more prevalent and more powerful than when we're all alone. Two are better than one, the Bible said. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. Say, Jesus is in the house. We need each other, and when we gather together, there's a dimension of God's presence. The Spirit of Jesus is here to do things, work miracles. So right here, right now, I want to take a moment. Uh, I don't want to uh, uh, dishearten you by saying we're going to pray, and, think, and you think that after we pray, you're going to get out of here because i got two more points. <laughs> but I do want to have, I don't want to go on without praying now for this first thing, this first area. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Maybe you came tonight, maybe you're sick spiritually. And what I mean by that is like this guy. His real problem wasn't just that he was sick physically. He was paralyzed. Real problem in his life was sin. He needed forgiveness. And there maybe are those here. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ or maybe you've been away from him for a time. You walked away from him. But tonight, you need healing in your spirit. You need forgiveness of sins. Nobody looking around for a moment. And to be included in this prayer, you just slip your hand up and say, would you remember me in prayer for forgiveness tonight? God bless you. God bless you. Honest hearts. Amen. You know, Jesus sees you. He's in the house to forgive. 
we're going to pray together in just a moment. Maybe you're here and you need healing uh, emotionally, mentally, or physically. And you know Jesus is in the house. He is here. And the same Jesus that, that healed that paralyzed man is here tonight. His presence is here. We gather together. He's in our midst. Two or three are gathered. He said, there am I in the midst. And he's here to work and heal. And you say, with a handle uplifted, just where you're at, I need healing. Emotionally, mentally, or physically. And we're going to trust God with you. That's why we're here together. We gather together for something to happen, not just to show up, but so that something can happen. God bless you guys. Amen. All right, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And then as we are praying, God's going to forgive. The Spirit of Jesus is here to heal. And I want you to expect that in your life right now as we pray. Would you just all repeat this out with me out loud? Lord Jesus, thank you for coming, dying on the cross for my sin. I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart and life. Change me. Do what I cannot do myself. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you are my healer. I ask for your healing in my mind, in my emotions, and in my body. And I thank you. I receive that healing. You are here. You're in the house, and I thank you for healing me now, for forgiving me now. In your wonderful name, the name of Jesus, amen. Now, would you just thank him and say, I receive it, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus. See, I want you during the service just to kind of Test yourself if you if it's for physical healing. I want you kind of to check it out and see if you can tell the difference that's in your body. And if so, after the service, you need to tell somebody what Jesus did for you. He's a healer. I want you to shout it out. Jesus is in the house. Okay, the second area I want to touch on is that when same things seem hopeless, we need to remember Jesus is in the house. This next story happened to a man by the name of Jairus. His little girl was sick and getting ready to die. It's a very familiar story. Jesus uh, uh, was in his town, and he comes to Jesus and says, Come, would you come and pray for my little girl? She's about to die. Jesus is following him, going to his house. But while they're going, they get interrupted, and there's a woman that has uh, uh, an issue of blood. She's dying herself, bleeding out, and she says within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And so she breaks through the crowd, reaches out, touches the hem of his robe, and she's immediately healed. Jesus stops. We know, many of us know the story, and Jesus says, uh, power just went about. Power just flowed out of me. Somebody got touched. Who is it? 
And she finally comes and tells him it was me and I've been healed. And so Jesus stops and he takes some time with this woman and, and tells her she's been made whole. She's been forgiven. She's been healed. And so time has passed. Now after this, a servant comes to Jairus from his house and tells him that his little girl is already dead and don't bother Jesus anymore. But Jesus then spoke some words that are some of the, the, the best words about and most important words about faith and believing that we can hear when we're struggling or when we're afraid, and that is this. Jesus said, do not be afraid, only believe. And tonight in this place, there may be those who are dealing with, I know there are some of us who are dealing with things that are beyond us. They may even seem hopeless. And we need to hear these words tonight. Do not be afraid, only believe. And so then in Mark 5, 38, it says, he came to the house. <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? <clears throat> when he comes to the house, things change. It says the ruler of synagogue was there uh, and saw tumult and those that wept and wailed loudly. Jesus went into the house, <clears throat> saw everybody crying, and he says, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And they ridiculed him. They said, that is absolutely ridiculous. She's dead. We know she's dead. She's not breathing. She's not moving. She's dead. But listen tonight, <clears throat> even when things seem hopeless and dead <clears throat> in our lives, Jesus in the house means anything can happen. <clears throat> Mark 5, 41 and 42 then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. <clears throat> and immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was about 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. <clears throat> you know, tonight we need to be overcome with great amazement at what Jesus can do when he's in <laughs> the house. When things seem hopeless, we need to remember Jesus is in the house. <clears throat> Say it again tonight. Jesus is in the house. <clears throat> One of my favorite words over the last several years uh, that comes out of the Bible, it's, it's in our language, it's in our lives as well, but it, especially how it's used in the Bible has become so important to me, and it's the word Hope. I've been thinking about hope a lot. I've looked at scripture after scripture in the Bible that talk about hope. I've been studying it. I've been thinking about it. And you know, over the last several years, hope has gotten way down deep on the inside of my heart. It's a good thing. We need to have hope. Tell yourself, I'm hopeful. Listen, because Jesus is in the house, there's always hope. Now, some people might say, well, that's just great 
but how do I know he's even in the house? Sometimes we may not, you know, I'm not talking about a feeling or an emotion. Sometimes we may not feel like he's in the house. Or we may say something like, well, tell me which house he's in, and I'll go there. But listen, I'm going to tell you which house he's in, and it's Hebrews 3, verse 6, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Did you catch that tonight? The house Jesus is in isn't just a building like uh, New Life, 419 Harrison Street, uh, or the house I live in, 3968 Lindsay Avenue, Kingman, Arizona, 86409. It isn't just a physical residence, a, a building or place like that. Listen to me tonight. Something you should know, we know tonight, and we need to be refreshed in our memories. Uh, and that is when we get saved, we are the house. <laughs> Woo! Man. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> And he lives in us. And listen, he's always in the house. And you know what that means? There's always hope because Jesus is always in the house. (laughs) Oh, man, that's too good. When I was working on these notes, I got that verse of Scripture because I was working on it, and I thought, wow, that's awesome, man. I didn't have the scripture before I started putting the message. I started putting this message together and fell right into that. Wow, revelation. Uh, The house isn't just a physical facility. We are the house. (laughs) Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27 says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. (laughs) Oh, God, help us to get this down way inside us, deep inside. Christ in us is the hope. I don't know if you heard me tonight. I said Christ in us is the hope. And see, uh, we have hope. We can always have hope because Jesus uh, is always in the house. <laughs> Say it again, shout it tonight. Jesus is in the house. <clears throat> see, hope is so important. Hope is the forerunner uh, of faith. In the Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is a substance, uh, or it's made up of things hoped for. If our faith is going to work well, we have to have hope. The best definition of hope that I've come up with over the years is hope, biblical hope. It is a confident expectation of good from God. <laughs> I pray that we tonight, everyone, not one of us leaves without hope. I'm talking about Bible hope. I'm talking about Jesus hope. If Jesus is in our heart, if we've asked him to come into our hearts, we can always have hope. Why? Because Jesus is always in the house. No matter how hopeless things may look in our lives, 
in our finances, in our relationship. Maybe we got kids that are, that are not doing good, and that's painful for a parent. Maybe we're discouraged about our own selves, our own lives. Listen, there's always hope because Jesus is always here. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, very powerful verse of Scripture, says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us as God's people should make that a promise that we hold on to. And uh, that God, and see, there's another translation that reads this instead of may the God of hope, it, it, it uh, reads this way, I pray the God of hope fill you. And so before we go to the last point, and I'm gonna make that one short, <coughs> relatively speaking, <coughs> before we go to that third point, that's what I wanna pray right now. <coughs> The God of hope, fill us with all joy and peace in believing that we may abound in hope <clears throat> by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest manifestations of the Holy Spirit is hope. He gives, he brings hope. He is living hope. Jesus is in the house, and we can always have hope. And tonight, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I'm not going to ask how many of you need hope. We all need hope. I want to just pray over us tonight and that God would fill us. Fill us. I want you to just say, fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. <clears throat> Lord, right now, we come before you. Thank you. Thank you that you are the personification of hope. You are the manifestation of hope. We have a living hope because you rose again from the dead. And tonight, Jesus, I pray for every one of us that's here that we might abound, that we might be filled up, filled up, abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, manifest hope in every life. I take authority and dominion over hopelessness. I take authority over brokenheartedness, and I pray the manifestation of hope in every single heart and life. We receive your hope. Jesus, you are in us. We are your house. We, you live in us. You're always in the house because you're always in us, and we thank you for your hope. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your hope. I am hopeful in Jesus' name. Now would you just clap and thank him? Thank you for that, Lord. <clears throat> Last point. Briefly, relatively speaking. <laughs> because Jesus is in the house, we don't ever need to be afraid. Isn't that good? Psychologists say that uh, fear is one of the greatest motivating emotions in people's lives today. And as children of God, we do not have to live anxious, fearful 
lives. In John chapter 20, verse 19, the story, another familiar story. This is after Jesus is risen from the dead. And it says that that same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, these are the disciples behind locked. When it says shut here, it literally means, literally means locked. Locked doors where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. So Jesus had been crucified. He had been put in the tomb. And so they are afraid because Jesus had been killed. Following Jesus was life-threatening. They were afraid of all these things. But then it says, Jesus came and stood in the midst. (laughs) You know what that means? Jesus was in the house and said to them, peace be with you. Now, I've always kind of pictured this, that as there's behind locked doors, that Jesus came walking through the wall. It doesn't specifically say that he walked through the wall. It does specifically say they were behind shut doors, locked doors. Uh, uh, But uh, Jesus um, appears. Whether he walks through the wall or just all of a sudden, one moment he wasn't there, and the next moment he is standing in the midst. uh, And I love it. What an entrance. (laughs) What an entrance. He's not there, and then he's there, and I love what he says. Peace be with you. Before they were afraid, and now they have peace. And so tonight, if we're going to live fear-free lives, we need to remember Jesus is in the house. Say it again. Jesus is in the house. Our peace is comes from recognizing God's presence with us and in us. Jesus is in the house. In Psalm 46, verse 1 and 2, and then verse 7, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Aren't you glad for that? He's, he's a very present help. He's not just a help down the line in trouble. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Skipping verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. That word Selah means to think about it. And I, uh, as we're getting ready to close tonight, I want us to think about this. There are a lot of things in this life that could make us anxious or afraid if we allow them to. What gives us peace is knowing God's presence is here. And when I say here, I mean there, here, there. Jesus is in the house. He lives in us. The Bible says here in verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. That word host, it's talking about the angel, angelic host, the, the ten thousands of ten thousands of ten thousands of angels that God, you know, we don't talk a whole lot about angels, and I, we, we aren't meant to pray to angels. We are not meant to, we don't necessarily, we don't command angels. God commands angels, but you know what? They're around. 
<laughs> I mean, they are, they are around. We, we have had, you and I have had interventions. I know of several, I've never seen one, but I've seen the evidence of an angel coming and helping me out. I've sensed uh, uh, comfort at times from the presence of God. I sensed that there might have been an angel there like Jesus in the garden where the angel ministered to him. There have been times where I've sensed a physical presence there. I, it may have been just the presence of God or it might have been that. I don't know if it was an angel or not, but I can tell you angels minister to us. God commands angels, and he commands them to watch over, to help us out, uh, to protect us, to preserve us, to, to uh, rescue us, all kind of things. And God, his presence is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. Amen. Say he's with me. Say Jesus is in the house. One last verse. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10, beautiful verse. Fear not, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Think about it. God reaching his right hand out and saying, I'm going to hold you up with my right hand. Oh, I love that picture, don't you? See, we are not in this life battling, fighting on our own. Sometimes our emotions will lie, tell us that we are. Sometimes we think, man, I just don't feel it. I don't feel him. But tonight, whether we feel him or not, he's always here. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Listen. Jesus is always in the house, and you and I are the house, and we don't ever have to be hopeless. We don't ever have to be fearful. We don't have to be sick mentally, spiritually, emotionally, because Jesus is in the house. That brings me to my fourth point. No. I've said all I need to say tonight. He's in the house. He's in us. He's in us. He's always in us. He doesn't come and go. He comes and stays. <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? The good God, Jesus, Jesus is in the house. I want you to tell yourself again, remind yourself, whenever you're going through something that makes you fearful or anxious or the, the, the thoughts of hopelessness come, remind yourself, Jesus is in the house. He's in me. I am the house. Jesus, you are resident in me, and I'll not be fearful. I'll not be hopeless. I'll not allow this sickness or this mental anguish and all that. I trust you because you're in my house. Aren't you glad for that? Let's bow our heads. We've, we've prayed several times. I just want to just pray over us as we dismiss tonight. Prayer team is going to be up here at the front afterwards to pray with you individually if you'd like that and avail yourself to that. <clears throat> but let's just, uh, just close in prayer. Jesus, thank you. We are so grateful to you for your reality. Thank you that we are not involved in a dead, dry religion, just religious practices and 
things to try to try to make it to where we can somehow uh, get something from you. You gave us everything, Jesus, when you gave us yourself. And because you gave us yourself, we can know you. You live in us. You're in our house. You're in us. And we are never hopeless. We do not need to be fearful. We can receive healing because you're always in the house. We thank you for it. We praise you for who you are to us in your wonderful name, the name of Jesus. And everybody said, shout one last time, Jesus is in the house. Amen. God bless you. Prayer team will be up here in the front if you'd like prayer. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.